first met Gideon Mercer. Chapter One The red gloves were all that mattered. If living on the streets of Portland was a prison, the red gloves were the key, the key that, for a few brief hours, set him free from the lingering stench and hopeless isolation, free from the relentless rain and the tarp-covered shanty, the key that freed him to relive the life he'd once had, a life he could never have again. Something about the red gloves took him back and made it all real. Their voices, their touch, their warmth, as they sat with him around the dinner table each night. Their love. It was as though he'd never lost a bit of it, as long as he wore the gloves. Otherwise, the prison would have been unbearable, because the truth was Earl had lost everything his life, his hope, his will to live. But when he slipped on the gloves, ah, when he felt the finely knit wool surround his fingers, Earl still had the one thing that mattered. He still had a family, if only for a few dark hours. It was the first of November, and the gloves were put away, hidden in the lining of his damp parka. Earl never wore them until after dinner, when he was tucked beneath his plastic roof, anxious to rid himself of another day. He would have loved to wear them all the time, but he didn't dare. They were nice gloves, handmade, the kind most street people would snatch from a corpse. Dead or alive, Earl had no intention of losing them. He shuffled along Martin Luther King Boulevard, staring at the faces that sped past him. He was invisible to them, completely invisible. He'd figured that much out his first year on the streets. Oh, once in a while they'd toss him a quarter, or shout at him, Get a job, old man! Or, Go back to California! But mostly they just ignored him. The people who passed him were still in the race, still making decisions and meeting deadlines still believing it could never happen to them. They carried themselves with a sense of self-reliance, a certainty that they were somehow better than him. For most of them, Earl was little more than a nuisance, an unsightly blemish on the streets of their nice city. Rain began to fall. Small, icy droplets found their way through his hooded parka and danced across his balding head. He didn't mind. He was used to the rain. It fit his mood. The longer he was on the street, the more true that became. He moved along. Big Earl! The slurred words carried over the traffic. Earl looked up. A black man was weaving along the opposite sidewalk, shouting and waving a bottle of Crown Royal. He was headed for the same place as Earl, the mission. Rain or shine, there were meals at the mission. All the street people knew it. Earl had seen the black man there a hundred times before, but he couldn't remember his name. Couldn't remember most of their names. They didn't matter to him. Nothing did. Nothing except the red gloves. The black man waved the bottle again, 
and shot him a toothless grin. God loves you, big Earl. Earl looked away. Leave me alone, he muttered, and pulled his parka tighter around his neck and face. The mission director had given him the coat two years ago. It had served its purpose. The dark green nylon was brown now, putrid smelling and sticky with dirt. Earl's whiskers caught in the fibers and made his face itch. He couldn't remember the last time he'd shaved. Across the street, the black man gave up. He raised his bottle to a group of three animated women with fancy clothes and new umbrellas. Dinner bells are calling me home, ladies. The women stopped chatting and formed a tight, nervous cluster. They squeezed by the man, creating as much distance between them as they could. After they'd passed, the black man raised his bottle again. God loves you! The mission was two blocks up on the right. Behind him, Earl could hear the black man singing, his words running together like gutter water. Earl's cool response hadn't bothered him at all. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Earl narrowed his gaze. Street people wore thick skins. Layers, Earl called it. Years of living so far deep inside yourself, nothing could really touch you. Not the weather, not the nervous stares from passers-by, not the callous comments from the occasional motorist, and certainly not anything another street person might say or do. The mission doors were open. A hapless stream of people mingled among the regulars. Earl rolled his eyes and stared at his boots. When temperatures dropped below fifty, indigents flooded the place. The regulars could barely get a table. He squeezed his way past the milling newcomers, all of them trying to figure out where the line started and the quickest way to get a hot plate. Up ahead were two empty-eyed drifters, young guys with long hair and years of drug use written on their faces. Earl slid between them, grabbed a plate of food, and headed for his table, a forgotten two-seater off by itself in the far corner of the room. Hi, Earl! He looked up and saw D.J. Grange, mission director for the past decade. The man was bundled in his red plaid jacket, same as always. His eyes were blue, too blue, and piercing. As though he could see things, Earl didn't tell anyone. D.J. was always talking God this and God that. It was amazing, really. After all these years, D.J. still didn't get it. Earl looked back down at his plate. I don't come for a sermon, you know that. He mumbled into his instant mashed potatoes. We got people praying, Earl. D.J. gripped the nearest chair and leaned closer. Earl could feel the man's smile without looking. Any requests? Just between us? Yes. Earl set his fork down and shot D.J. the hardest look he could muster. Leave me alone. Fine. D.J. grinned like a shopping mall Santa Claus. Let me know if you change your mind. Still smiling, 
he moved on to the next table. There was one other chair at Earl's table, but no one took it. There was an unspoken code among street people, sober ones anyway. Eyes cast down, don't come around. Earl kept his eyes on his plate, and on this night the code worked. The others would rather stand than share a meal with a man who needed his space. Besides, his appearance would easily detract even the most hardened street people. He didn't look in the mirror often, but when he did, he understood why they kept their distance. It wasn't his scraggly gray hair or the foul-smelling parka. It was his eyes. Cold, dead eyes. The only time he figured his eyes might possibly show signs of life or loneliness was at night, when he wore the red gloves. But then no one ever saw his eyes during those hours. He finished his plate, pushed back from the table, and headed for the exit. D.J. watched him go, standing guard at the front of the food line. "'See you tomorrow, Earl,' he waved big. "'I'll be praying for you.' Earl didn't turn around. He walked hard and fast out the door into the dark, rainy night. It was colder than before. It worried him a little. Some years, when the first cold night had hit, another street person had swiped his bed or taken off with his tarp. His current tarp hung like a curtain across the outside wall of his home. It was easily the most important part of his physical survival. Small wonder they were taken so often. He narrowed his eyes and picked up his pace. His back hurt, and he felt...